0: Hello, and welcome back to Parallel Passion. With me today is Tomasz Zaman. Tomasz is a co-founder of Codable, a WordPress outsourcing service. We discussed his chaotic life of a co-founder, a father of four, a skydiver, a runner, a pilot-to-be, and many, many more things. If you like this show, please share it with your friends. You can also support us via Patreon. Every like, every retweet, and every dollar helps us getting off the ground. Thanks. And now, here's my chat with Tomasz. Enjoy.
1: Um, Hi, uh, welcome, welcome Tomas. Hi. How are you? Uh, Good, good. Uh, Well, hectic day, running around all day, uh, but otherwise really good. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. um, um, Speaking of, what it is that you actually do? Um, uh, so I run a, an online outsourcing service called Codable. Um, we basically provide, um, 300 plus pre-screened WordPress experts, um, to the clients that come our way and are in need of any kind of WordPress work from, you know, small fixes, updates, and up to whole sites with subscriptions, memberships, and whatnot, um, and everything in between, really. Um, uh, so, yeah, that would be, uh, like, in, we, we like to joke internally or, or even, you know, at some talks that I give that, that we're Tinder for WordPress services, <laughs> uh, because I think it makes sense that we're, you know, and it also, you know, it's true to a degree because we do make sure, you know, that we find compatible, um, experts that solve problems, right? It's not just, you know, some automated platform that, that connects people, but we do a lot of manual input to, you know, get the right type of people together for maximum outcome or effect. Right. Good. And and what's your role actually in, in this? Um, so I'm the founder, um, but that doesn't kind of define role really. Uh, so I, I, yeah, I still bear the title of CTO, um, but the the older we get, the less I do any kind of technical um, input or management because we now have people for that. Um, so I I kind of miss those days. Honestly, I, I I love writing code, but I've I've haven't written a single line for you know months, if not even years um so i you know i mostly take care of uh, logistics um traveling um you know kind of high level management about planning um, each quarter, uh, each quarter's activities. Um, I'm currently focused on two things really. Well, the whole company is in all honesty, and that is, you know, getting more affiliate uh, partners onboarded because uh, affiliates have been kind of performing really well for us. And the other is we're trying or not trying, we're building a new website um, completely from scratch because the old one or the current one has some issues that we're trying to fix and we fix it will be better to start a new rather than just fix it because it's not uh, well it, it does have some technical debt, but that's not the major uh, the major part. The major part is that um, we kind of suck um, at telling what it is that we do in a clear and concise way. <laughs> um, so we actually hired up some people to help us with with you know messaging slash storytelling. Um, and this is kind of these are two focuses that I'm kind of working on right now.
0: Yeah, I can I can sympathize with that. We've been in a, in a similar role, trying to describe what it is that we do, and it's it's really hard looking from the inside of product because of course it makes sense to you, but like making it um, explaining it nicely to someone who has no clue what it is exactly that you're doing can be very hard. Yeah. I I think I saw recently that you celebrated like an anniversary of, of Codable. Uh
1: yeah, we did. We just passed our fifth birthday in January, um, which is I guess a good number. Uh we're proud that we got that we've gotten so far. Um of course the challenges are quite different than they used to be, uh, but there are, you know, challenges nonetheless. So yeah, five years. <laughs>
0: that congrats that's a a pretty uh, long time in in startup world nowadays
1: (laughs) yeah yeah it is Uh, one of our early investors told us you know that that there's a 99.999% chance that you'll fail when you start a startup and every year one of those nines goes away from the tail right (laughs) Um, so I guess five years in you know we're just at nine percent or or zero, depending on how you look at it
0: <laughs> uh, yeah that's uh that's an interesting thing an interesting way to to look at this problem mm-hmm. um, and yeah many many companies fail especially now in this uh crypto world that we are <laughs> yeah it's crazy, it's crazy and like besides a company which like being a founder, I imagine that can be um very uh challenging and and time demanding. Um you're also a father of four. Yes. How how do you manage your time?
1: Uh well I honestly I very chaotically <laughs> would be the most appropriate term uh but being you know the type of personality that I am, uh, I thrive in chaos. So I have no issues with with managing my time with the company, as opposed to managing my free time and my time with with the family. Um, I, honestly, I. I, I- really don't have any issues there because well I have to I have to thank my wife for that honestly because uh we've agreed that once once I started you know my own company uh she's gonna take over the majority of raising the kids uh which means she's employed with me on on, um but um the you know the actual work this that she does is take care of the kids um and you know me for for you know cleaning at home and and cooking and well I try to Help, but not not you know as <laughs> not enough, um, not as much. Well, I I would like I say that I would like to, <laughs> 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 uh, but but yeah, um, it's 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 a not as much as you should do probably. Yeah, it it takes two to tango. And it, you know, when you have a family, that kind of makes even more sense. And luckily, I found my life partner, if you will, that that really supports me. So she's taking the kids, you know, to to extracurricular activities. Um, she's, you know, cooking for them, um, taking them to school in the morning and that kind of stuff. So I'm more Free to focus my mind on the business, um, and yeah, we have this agreement, I guess you could call it, um, and it's worked for both of us really well. Um, but yeah, I, I honestly, if if she had like a normal job, it, it, I don't, I can't even imagine being it possible.
0: Yeah, I, I, it, I find it hard to imagine as well, and. Um, you work from home, right? Uh,
1: yeah. Well, um, almost, um, in a, in a way that I have an office rented and mm-hmm. in the munis- municipality building here, uh, which is like literally two minute walk from my home because with four kids, uh you can't work at home you can't really focus there's a constant noise and something always <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i i figured pretty early that it'll be better if i rent an office um just you know close to my house so i can go away and it also forces you you know to kind of put you know your 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 working clothes on and take Mm -hmm. care of yourself in you know to eat properly and to dress well and everything like it's a good at least for me that as I said I'm quite a chaotic person and disorganized it forces me to at least put some order into my work-life balance if you will
0: Yeah, it's it's also probably some sort of mental switch. Like now I'm in a working mode because now I'm in I'm in office, so I can't just do whatever I want. I have to I have to work.
1: Exactly. Yes. Yeah.
0: Besides all that, um, like the the thing that I notice most when I follow you online is skydiving. Um, how I mean. I can't even imagine being a founder and have a family of four and then also be involved in a in a hobby that's like skydiving which takes i guess a lot of time because you have to go to the airport you have to um like fly and then jump down and then probably fly again a couple of times so you're not driving just for one jump
1: uh yeah it's honestly i so, some t- you know at some things in life you shouldn't put too much thought into well especially skydiving i mean (laughs) no no normal person would jump out of the the plane willingly (laughs) um and then yeah i i honestly it's easy for me i've always wanted to do it uh i've always had this desire um and once i jumped in a tandem like this is now five six years ago Mm -hmm. i i immediately when we landed with my tandem instructor i went to my wife and i said Darling, this is something I, I want to have a license for. This is something I want to do in my spare time. I love the thrill. I love the adrenaline. I'm, I'm scared of heights, which, you know, makes the adrenaline shock even harder, which makes it even, you know, funner. <laughs> um, so I, yeah, it, it, it does take a lot of time, honestly. And, and, I'm going to do it today at 4 p.m. I have to go to the airport because we have a, an agreement with with our friends that we're going to do it. Um And it's not a problem. I'll just, you know, pack my gear I'll put all the kids and my wife into the car. I'll take them with me. You know, in five years, all my kids are, um, well, um, behaved at airports. They know what the culture is. They know what the safety, um, areas are or where they can hang out. And we have a nice, we call it a drop zone where people jump. Um, and our drop zone is really well organized. It has fences where they should be, uh, huge, huge, um, areas of grassland. So they, you know, we take a couple of balls with us or what, what not, or toys for the kids, mm-hmm. and they just play around, hang with us, and even other skydivers bring their kids. So, so my kids also have friends there. So it's a, you could say it's a community. Yeah, it's a family activity then, sort of. Exactly, exactly, and you know sometimes we visit well, not exactly exotic, but more distant drop zones like in Hungary. Mm-hmm. Or we go to Postojna, which is, you know, 300 kilometers away from me. And we take the kids and then see, you know, some of the... um surrounding uh, stuff that you can see or show to kids you know mm-hmm. so they learn they learn a lot um, by traveling with me uh, of course sometimes um, I also go alone when I want to be alone just you know I tell my wife hey this is you know I want to have an alone afternoon Well, alone uh, you know with, with just my mates um, and she's fully supportive of that as well so it's honestly organization wise it doesn't take much to go go and jump. But yeah, it is, it is a time consuming activity because, you know, in order to do like three, four jumps in, in a single day, the whole day is consumed pretty much, especially on larger drop zones. You know, you have to wait for the turn to get to get to the, uh, to the plane, because usually most drop zones operate with a single, single aircraft, whether that's helicopter or a plane. And you have to wait, you know, a couple of hours. But in the meanwhile, you hang out with friends, you pack your parachute, you do some education. If there are any co- instructors there. And, and the time goes by. Mm. Um, but yeah, you have to, you have to kind of not think about it too much. If there's something you enjoy, I always have this, this, um, mantra that if your health is not in both mental and physical, the first thing for you, then you're doing it wrong. Because if I want to, you know, support my family, uh, if I want to be performing in my company, then I have to be, a hundred percent or at hundred percent and the requirement is that i feel well physically and mentally Mm -hmm. yeah of course and how long ago
0: was this uh first jump in tandem that you did
1: uh six years
0: oh okay so you've been doing this for a while how many jumps have you done so far um 170
1: approximately oh wow that's uh that's a lot no, that's not nearly enough. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's a lot for someone with four kids and and a full-time
0: founder job.
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess. But but uh, you know, a lot of people, especially some of my mates that have, you know, kind of regular jobs, I guess, that 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 are not fully engaged after the the job is done, they do twice to three times as much. Uh but yeah, I mean, of course some compromises do need to be drawn, right? Mm. And do you have any end goals, or do you just do it for the
0: pure adrenaline, like rush when you when you jump down the uh, from the plane or helicopter or
1: whatever? Um, I don't have any. End goals. I do it for just for the fun of it. I've 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 been often asked, you know, by people that don't jump, especially in the WordPress community. Uh, my hobby is quite unusual, uh, which makes it a good conversation starter. So people would often approach me at conferences and say, "Hey, I've seen you on Facebook that you skydive. How is it, right?" And that it goes on and on, and then people ask, like, "Can I jump with you?" As in in a in a tandem? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no. Unfortunately, I don't have a tandem instructor rating, which is what it's called. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I will never have one, most likely. And there's a reason for that, because I I do have some friends that are like professional tandem instructors. They live, basically, it's their job. Um, But then, you know, when you have to earn money from it, it kind of becomes... A job and then it the part at least some part of the fun goes away because you're obliged to do it or you have to do it uh, in order to earn money. You have to deal with a lot of people's schedules and whatnot to get the people to the airport to educate them. Yeah, and you already have a job like that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I don't need a second job, which is why I'll never have a tandem instructor rating, which is not to say I don't have higher goals. Uh, i would say my only higher goal is to become an instructor a skydiving instructor mm-hmm. uh, but first i have to become a coach which are two different we call them ratings which is a kind of a certificate to allow you to do something or you know to educate new skydivers um but this goal these goals are not i would say kind of mandatory Tori there for me personally, they're like a nice to haves. Once I have enough time on my hand that I can take the course and do it, I'll be happy to take those courses uh, because I love to educate people or, you know, to teach them whatever i feel passionate about and of course skydiving is my passion and i love explaining how everything works in 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 this sport um so i basically what i'd like to have is 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 a, is a license to do it legally well not legally but to do it kind of professionally mm-hmm. but not necessarily earn money just you know for the sake of of love towards the sport yeah makes makes sense did you ever participate
0: in any sort of like formation uh, skydiving or, or drop or I don't know what's the what's the proper term?
1: Uh yeah it's the it, actually that is the proper term formation skydiving. Yes, I've I've jumped in a few formations. Um honestly I lately I mostly jump with people um, in any kind of formation even a, we call it a two way when when mm-hmm. two people jump together uh, because it gets boring uh, as as awkward as it may sound if you just jump alone at first you know first I don't know 50 to 100 jumps it's really intense because you're still learning you're still um, a bit afraid but then that, that fear goes away and you really start to enjoy it and then that you know roughly a minute of free fall or 50 seconds of free fall can seem like forever if you're alone. So that's why many skydivers start jumping with people, just because it's it's you know more fun to, to try you know to, to uh, practice a few moves to hang to each to hang on to each other, to chase one another, or do different body positions and whatnot. Um so yeah I do it a lot um and we train for that in wind tunnels quite well not as often as I would love <laughs> uh but yeah I do have 7 hours of wind tunnel time um and wind tunnels are expensive like they're ridiculously expensive yeah
0: I know I have like a tiny amount of this knowledge because my my fa- my father used to um like skydive mm-hmm. Um, but then he he changed. Well, he didn't find the the freefall as exciting as he did the the parachute part. So he sort of changed to to paragliding. Now, mm-hmm. uh, were you ever interested in in that part, or are you are you in it for the for the freefall?
1: Um, honestly, I am growing increasingly interested in that part as well. Um, I haven't. Um, told this anyone yet, honestly, <laughs> uh, but now since you're asking, <laughs> um, yeah, because I do, I do notice with myself that, that um, I appreciate the time under canopy just as well as I do freefall. I everybody usually the the hardcore skydivers always kind of mock me, uh friendly mocking that is, uh that that you know, why do I always open my parachute really high? Because the norm is around 1200 meters to open the, your parachute, right? Mm-hmm. And we jump out of 4000 meters. Um but I tend to to open at 2000 just because I enjoy flying under the canopy as well uh, quite a lot so it has crossed my mind um, to try at myself at paragliding someday but not yet I yeah I don't have that much free time <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's um
0: it's a um, demanding activity and also with paragliding you're even more uh, it even more depends on the weather Um because, like, if, if the weather is not great, you're not going to get any, um, like, help from the lift. Yeah. Yeah, and the lift. Um, so you're just going to, like, go down. Mm-hmm. And it's not that's not very nice. Mm-hmm. But you can combine it in a way with, I think they call it hike and fly. Where they like first they have these small parachutes or like paragliders or whatever mm-hmm. um and then they hike up the the mountains and then just, they uh like uh they paraglide down from from that and that that can be interesting i, I guess
1: yeah, I've uh, honestly I have no opinion yet because I've I know too little about it. But I hopefully someday I will know a bit more. <laughs> yeah, but but also as
0: with everything, there's huge tribalism in in this. So like paragliding people and para uh, and like skydiving people are. Um, not too fond of each other to say it nicely yeah yeah
1: yeah well it's i i could uh, honestly i can observe this tribalism even in at my old well not old uh, current drop zone so where i live because i'm also taking a private pilot's license currently uh and i can see you know that pilots and 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 skydivers are always mocking each other in a friendly way but still you can sense there is a bit of rivalry between the two you know which ones have a better sport i guess <laughs> so I'll be you know soon ish I'll be sitting on two chairs and and then I'll have a better opinion what's going on
0: so what got you into um into this into wanting to fly uh
1: honestly uh, f- uh being a pilot was my childhood dream i've being a skydiver was not, um, I, I, I did it for fun with the tandem jump. I did it for fun and discovered how much I enjoy it. Um, but didn't think about it much prior to that. Um, but being a pilot on the other hand is, is literally in, in all my elementary school, I dreamed of being a pilot, uh, professionally, um, But then uh, (laughs) I wasn't, um, kind of paying attention enough attention at school. So (laughs) my grades weren't that good. Well, they were in elementary school, but then in high school, I kind of discovered the life of, of, you know, partying (laughs) and all that it comes with. Um, so I, I didn't have enough scores to pursue this dream. Um, I would say in a way, luckily so, because the life kind of turned out great. Anyway, I can say, um, and in all honesty, now that I, that I'm a grown up and, and I see the pilot, like the professional pilots, they're more like a bus drivers that fly, right? Oh, yeah. For the main, for like the, the commercial ones. Yeah. That's really just,
0: um, like a bus driver.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's not that thrilling or fun. Um, I wouldn't, I, I, I wouldn't do it honestly in a professional manner, of course. Uh, but now, now I decided, it's the time, um, to to do, to fulfill my childhood dreams and do my, my private pilot's license, which is good for, you know, smaller airplanes, like sport airplanes with two to four seats and, and yeah, two to four passengers. Um, so I'm taking it now. I, I haven't started flying yet because I have to do, um, the, the, the theory courses first and they take a lot of weekends, uh, because, you know, most of this is hobbies. So all the, all the participants, um, For, to do this same license, they are, they have job. We all have jobs, of course, and families. Um, so we just gather on weekends and have uh, classes on weekends. So it's quite, it, it's been quite a busy couple of months because, you know, Monday to Friday, I'm codable and the family. And then weekend, I'm in a, uh, on the airport in a classroom, (laughs) writing down stuff to become a pilot. But, you know, it's just like a hundred and, 30 hours or so, which means, which is combined like eight weekends. And then we start with the practical part, which is, you know, the fun part, the flying. So what's the, what's the whole procedure? How long does it take to, to
0: get from like, I want to, I want to like fly a plane to actually getting a a, a license?
1: Um, It depends on the time and money, really. Um, It costs like seven grand, 7,000 euros Mm -hmm. to, 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 Get it done. Um, so that's the first prerequisite. And the second is time. Um, so as I said, you need 130 hours of, of, the theory to partake, uh, which, which now lasts about three to four months because not every weekend is, is, um, you know, the class is there because of holidays and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I've started like three months ago and I still have two weekends to, uh, to go there and then I can start flying. And then it's basically how much I can, how much time I can devote to this because, um, uh, you can, you can, sp- kind of stretch it over two years, or you can do it in a couple of months if you fly more frequently and daily. But at first they said that it's supposed to be quite exhausting, you know, that even 15 minutes is so overwhelming that you get really tired it's like you know learning to drive a car when you drive it after a couple of years you like drive it on autopilot of sorts like you don't think about it Mm. right but when you were learning to do it everything was okay clutch uh, steering wheel all the knobs everything in the car was wow right you were overwhelmed by it all and the same applies to 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 an airplane right at first you have to be conscious of everything but then it starts slowly starts drifting into your subconsciousness yeah
0: i i still remember when i finished with my like uh, car learning school um and and then like when when you have to pay attention to everything and it's so like oh i have to release the clutch really slowly now (laughs) and then like after i don't know like after a week or two weeks you just don't even think about it anymore you don't think in which gear you are you just do it completely automatically exactly exactly and with flying is there any sort of simulation involved or are you going directly into a cessna and, and fly
1: uh, directly into a Cessna and you fly uh, however of course you fly with an instructor uh, now in, in the airplanes have this advantage over cars that the, rod, the the stick is the stick and the pedals are on the on both sides mm-hmm. so it's easy for you to hold the stick and feel what the instructor is doing and it takes about 15 hours. Um, of, of kind of simultaneous steering, if you will. Right. Um, and then, um, and then after 15 hours, if the instructor feels you're good enough, you get to start flying solo while he's observing from the ground. Um, at least that this is what they've told us. As I said, I haven't done any actual flying yet. So I'm assuming what I'm saying is correct, <laughs> but it's not necessarily so.
0: So the goal is to get the license like till the end of the year, or is it like? Yes. That's, uh, yeah, that's.
1: Well, maybe not that
0: ambitious in, in summer. I imagine you'll have more time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And plus I'm also leaving for my holidays with the family. So there will be, you know, July is mostly off. So a lot of it will happen either in June, which I imagine when that I'll start flying and then August, September, and then we'll see. I honestly, I'm not in a, Rush. It's, it's not something, you know, I won't progress from there. This will be just like a, like a, um, an additional hobby, if you will. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I was, when I started, when I applied for this, uh, school, I was, uh, I gave myself honestly a real long, thought or thinking session about it as in what is, what is my primary, primary activity? Because it's hard to do, you know, especially with a company and and a big family to do everything at once. Um, so, and I overbooked a couple of things because of that. And I was like, okay, so I need to take a step back and think about it. And I kind of discovered with myself that I'm uh, a skydiver, by you know, my heart is a skydiver's heart, so to speak. <laughs> I'm I'm much more engaged emotionally, passionately in skydiving than I am in flying. Well, that might change
0: once you actually get the license and and fly. I I imagine.
1: I will see. I don't know. Maybe you should invite <laughs> me for this. You know, uh, for this podcast in a year, and uh, then I'll have a more definite <laughs> answers. <laughs>
0: and then you'll be paragliding and flying, and you said, oh skydiving. That's that's for losers." <laughs>
1: Yeah, and being divorced.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully
1: not. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs>
0: um, and uh, I, I see you also sometimes um, on on Strava. You're uh, you're also a runner, right?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. I've um, I've discovered a um, couple of years ago, and I've I've been doing it in and out, so it's not like a constant thing. I'd like it to become, honestly, uh, but it's not yet. Um, and what I discovered is, no, it's, I guess it's more important to, to tell you when I discovered it. Okay. Uh, sure. I discovered it when I was the most, um, depressed, uh, quote unquote, mm-hmm. um, not depressed. Like, like low f- point in your the- life exactly and mainly that stress but because because you know codable was still young i was completely broke i i gave it my everything plus um and you know it takes a toll when you're working all the freaking time and like work 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 and then you still don't have any money because you're still setting up the company we did raise around but it was like not nothing much or nothing big so it was a High, heavy struggle, sort of. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so I've, I've gained a lot of weight because of my, my stress. Um, I felt bad in my skin. Um, so I, I knew, you know, after, after being a really like, at some point I did a retrospective on my month. Per month's performance as a parent, as a husband, as a business owner, and I kind of felt bad because I saw I was failing at everything pretty much, um, or not achieving the results I would like to. Um, so that that's when that's when I, of course, started being being me kind of very analytical in my mind. I started to research online on what what the hell is going on, and I discovered I was burned out really and you know one of the one of the um uh, cures for burning out of course mentioned were taking time away but apart from that more active cure so to speak was was physical activity and i started to run and uh, a friend of mine also recommended a special diet a ketogenic diet Mm. which worked wonders for me so in three months of of really uh running on a daily basis. And I mean, on a daily basis, like I didn't, you know, not even, I didn't even take a day off. I just ran every morning, 5k, Mm -hmm. no excuses, nothing. Um, and also changed my diet. I lost 15 kilos back then. Oh, wow. Uh, I, I, I saw the results after, you know, three months. I felt better. I felt more energetic, more performant in all the areas, which is when I also started to kind of love, uh, fall in love with running itself. Like the, like the, like the energy it gives you. It, it's, I don't have the words to describe it, honestly. I just feel good. It feels good to run. Like, you know. Yeah.
0: It's very similar to when I began running because I also, um, uh, just started out of nowhere. And I also switched to a sort of ketogenic diet. I, I switched to a paleo diet back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was also like in three months, I, I felt amazing. I like I looked much better. Everything was improving. I lost a lot of weight. Um, but since since then i um, I actually upped my running, so i 'm running way more now, but my diet is um, is not as great as it once was <laughs> unfortunately
1: <laughs> yeah I, I recently me and my wife we actually hired a personal coach a uh, personal trainer a um, couple of months ago because i I simply don't have a di- the the discipline. My, when when I tell my friends, often uh, they often ask, you know, why why are you paying for a personal coach? And I always tell them that I'm buying discipline because you know you could you could get the exercises online uh you could get the diets online everything right these days but you can't get the discipline online um so i said uh, so me and my wife we spoke and said okay let's hire somebody to help us maintain this discipline and of course she does so much more than just that but you know it is it is one of the top drivers for us to 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 have made this decision and honestly i've i've it's been years since i felt this good so ah, that's good. I, I i yeah i combined running with uh with with her exercises, we do two, um, two, two, um twice a week um, in the gym with her under her supervision. we you know, she discusses our goals and what what we want to achieve. And yeah, I feel great. Honestly, I've never felt this good. Yeah, that's that's great to hear. Um, I I think it's um,
0: whatever new you're starting or if you want to improve something or whatever, you have to have either. Um, it's like discipline is not something you can just acquire, but it, it, like are either a discipline or a motivation. And what works for me best, and what I recommend to to other people, is to have some sort of goal. So, like for running, for example, for me it was like I want to finish a half marathon, mm-hmm. and after I did that, I was like, okay, I want to finish a marathon. Like, just this is a goal I gave myself, and then like once once you make it, and once you once you do it, you feel like really good. Um, yeah and i guess it's the same for anything that you pick up like whenever people ask me like oh how do i how do i start coding like what do you recommend like which courses which whatever i just say look find some simple project that doesn't like that that sounds plausible to any like web web developer to do and just do that just and and then like once you have a goal in mind once you have a certain project you will be um, capable of overcoming the, the all the um, the obstacles, all the problems that you will inevitably face whenever you are learning something new.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I honestly, I wholeheartedly agree with this. Um, apart from running, for me personally, I, I've I've heard this one before. I've never had any goals when it comes to running. I don't go to marathons. I've never even considered going to any marathon at all. I don't like if, if you check you know my Strava you'll see I do the same circuit time and time again. I don't even change you know the paths I run. Um, I don't even improve my pace. All honestly because I just enjoy this non non kind of uh, goalish or non no pressure. Like I run for the sake of running, mm-hmm. and when I'm done I feel happy, and that's good enough for me. I've never had any goals when it comes to running which is interesting because what you said is true i do have goals pretty much everywhere else but not with
0: running <laughs> oh well that's not necessarily bad i'm just uh, it's it's one one way of motivation motivation because i know that when i started running i couldn't even run a, a 3 kilometers like i was i was done after 2 i couldn't continue and mm-hmm. having that goal in mind for me was like okay you have to you have to push through you have to keep going you will get there uh, eventually mm-hmm. and as for training runs yeah i do the same 10k every day basically, um, and it's uh, it enables me to completely unplug. So um, I, I'm i running on autopilot, I don't even think where I'm going because I'm just like, and, and sometimes <laughs> it was actually happened the, the previous weekend. I was listening to an audiobook uh, by Scott Jurek. Mm-hmm he's uh he's a, a ultra marathon runner and i like uh he just recently put like published a new book uh, about his uh appellation trail mm-hmm. um and the 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 book is like narrated by himself and his wife and i just i just fell so deep into audiobook it was so interesting that i completely lost myself and i just at one point i look around and like oh I am completely not where I wanted to be. I, I plan to run a 10K, but then I did like a 20K because I was just somewhere else. Um, cause yeah, I'm, I'm running on autopilot. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, me too. But the interesting part is everybody says, like, I've, I've heard this before, uh, that people listen to uh, audiobooks while they run mm-hmm. and while they drive. Uh, I don't do that. Um, I, I think I have enough of information. Uh, flow into my brain that there are times that I kind of need to disconnect, and running is one of those times. So when I run, I, I yeah, I put my music on uh, because I'm I grew I grew up in a 20 uh, 2000s <laughs> yeah twenties two thousands and and back then we have this euro dance disco dance if you will, and I still enjoy that music for running. I I know I don't listen it to that. uh, uh, Elsewhere, just when I go running, I do old school, kind of oldies, goldies, and just enjoy it. Gigi
0: D'Agostino and and
1: stuff like that. Yeah, that kind of stuff, exactly. Oh, wow.
0: (laughs) It's been a while since I listened to that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, actually, for me, um, I was not even uh, into, into... When I started running, I also listened to music, but the problem I had was that I my feet wanted to sync up with music, Mm -hmm. which was not good when I was running because then I was just like going. The tempo was all over the place. The cadence was all over the place. Mm -hmm. Um, So I started listening to podcasts uh, and I really enjoyed that. And then eventually on the long runs, uh, when i ran, when i ran out of podcasts i was like okay let's let's try audiobooks let's see if i can actually listen to a book mm-hmm. and i really fell in love with that and i really really enjoyed it cuz especially like if the narrator is the author you get like this extra dimension of of that book cuz it's like they're reading directly to you it's not like it 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 feels like it's not even written it's just like from their mind to your mind and it's uh mm-hmm. if it's a good audiobook it's it's something else it it can be really really good experience
1: well i'll definitely um ask you to recommend me a couple i, I now now you sold it to me i want to try it out <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah this this is a good one to start uh, by Scott Jurik which is also like running themed um uh-huh. uh, cause the the guy is a the guy's a crazy person um like he ran this really long uh, and hard ultra marathons mm-hmm. and he sprained an ankle and he was like oh this is fine because now i have like uh now it's all swollen and it's, it's like uh it it keeps it fixed so i can keep running <laughs> Which is and and then you listen to that and like oh my knee hurts but that's like nothing. Yeah. This this guy is running with like a sprained ankle and he's fine. So yeah, I, I'm fine as well.
1: Yeah. You said, you said earlier when you started that you couldn't do three. Uh, what I did, honestly, I, I knew I probably couldn't do three. Well, I, I wasn't capable of doing three Mm -hmm. at the time either. Um, so what I did is, um, I Googled for an app. Uh, Well, I found out there's an app for that, (laughs) of course. Couch to 5k. Yeah. Couch to 5k. And, and honestly, I, I pulled it through. I, I did follow the couch to 5k and I got to 5k runs with that it took it, it took me about a month and a month or a month and a half and i got there just by following that one app um so now that any when anybody approaches me like how do i start hey, use this app. You won't be exhausted. You will have your expectations set. Mm. There's no thinking about it. Just put heads- headphones on and listen to instructions, right? Yeah, I, I haven't used it, but I've,
0: I've heard good things about it. Um, also, uh, I've heard it recommended from, from other runners. Um, but I think with me, it was just like, I I felt like I could do it and I was like I'm gonna push through I'm not I'm not going to I, I don't know maybe it's just like ego mm-hmm. or, or whatever it was um when when I began I guess
1: yeah well I'm a smoker um, um which is something I'm not proud of but it has um well it's it's on my to-do list but one one life change at a time, time. <laughs> <laughs> um so so this is this has been holding me back because I run out of breath um which, is, which sucks, but yeah, it's an addiction like anything else, uh, like any other addiction, um, which I need and will get out of. But yeah, like I said, <laughs> one step at a time
0: yeah running is also or, and can be an addiction of, of sorts because like after a run your body is full of endorphins which is basically just like morphe but mm-hmm. in in uh, in a form that body produces itself yeah, yeah um so you can get really hooked on that and um i i, I experienced this um very much after a long run mm-hmm. um i I i'm just i'm in a completely different state of mind i'm just seeing rainbows everywhere and everything (laughs) is nice and and whatever bad news comes it's like ah it's fine yeah and and then the the next day there's the shock of not running (laughs) yeah Uh, maybe maybe couch to 5k helps but if you're if you're not into it if you're not like i really want to do this i think that even that won't help you really have to have some sort of um, like, even for you, like, yeah, you didn't have a certain goal of how, how long you run or how fast you run, but you had a goal of, like, you want to lose weight, you want to feel better. Yes, right? yes, exactly. So you have, to say, you have to have some sort of goal, some sort of motivation uh, for, like, a better word.
1: Oh yeah yeah that that I agree with well now that you said it I do have a goal uh, just yeah I kind of um thought about the context of running too much yeah, yeah. um so I do have like when we hired our personal trainer um she we we of course sat down and set goals for for our physiques and I said two things um the first thing I said I want to lose 11 kilos because that's how overweight I think I am mm-hmm. Um, and then also I have a secondary goal and I said to her, have joke. I said, and I want to have a six pack. <laughs> and I thought it, instead of laughing at me, she said, mission, ex- uh, mission accepted or challenge accepted. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you can do it. And she said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, really put you through a lot of stuff that you need to do to get there but we will get there so now i'm you know <laughs> motivated of <laughs> by this notion of having a six-pack which is <laughs> i guess ridiculous in a way but it's you know as good as goal as any yeah
0: yeah, yeah. sure well it's a goal that's all that matters <laughs> yeah. um and to, to go in something completely different um people might know you also from being uh, a public speaker and um um sort of topics you you talk about are very interesting for a freelancer or or someone who is just um beginning like that i i guess one of the main ones is that we should charge more as uh, as a freelancers um and it's given that your company is positioned around having freelancers and hopefully them charging not too much um how do you how do you balance this 'Cause like I'm I'm imagining like from your company perspective you would prefer if freelancers were cheaper.
1: No. No. I would I would prefer them to work uh, more expensively. Um because we earn by margins. So we don't we don't have like a set fixed rates for our experts. Mm-hmm. Um we have a um like the the company codable lives off margins. Um so the more and it's a percentage margin, right? But if you're more expensive, you're gonna get less clients. No, not no, no, not really. No, <laughs> I mean we're selling predominantly to the U.S. customers, um, for which we are exa- uh, actually cheap. Uh, well, not that cheap because we're trying to educate our experts um, not to work cheaply. Um, but yeah, I mean, compared to some agencies, even in the UK, um, our $70 uh, dollar an hour um, is still comparatively cheap. Um, you know, they can charge anywhere from 100 to, I've even seen, you know, $200 uh, dollar hourly rates um, with, I mean, the, we're talking about real professionals here, but Both are. So our experts are also real professionals. So I, I don't want them to lower their prices. In fact, this is one, this is why I think Codable is successful, uh, because we've always strived for premium, both in quality of, of uh, communication, of delivery, of education, of code, of pretty much everything. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and, and this quality needs to be, well, compensated for. I mean, most of us, most, well, not me. I'm not a, I'm personally not a WordPress expert, but most of our experts dedicated years and years of their free time to learn this because there is no WordPress school, of course, right? Right. Um, so, so they, they invested a lot of time into learning it and learning it well. Um, so why not reward that with a proper compensation? And, 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 you know, bigger income also means they can take, they can have more free time because they don't, Need to work as much in order to earn for the standard that they're aiming at, and when they achieve that, they can have more time off. They can spend more time with friends or learning more if they want to, or hobbies or whatever. But a, you know, a happy worker, if you will, is is a productive worker. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, I I mean I absolutely agree. I'm just uh, I'm I'm trying to to understand. Uh, how, how all that works.
1: Yeah. And, and it, you know, to continue that, um, I think I've, I used to work on Elans back before Codable was founded. And, and this was the biggest, um, cancer of it or, or still is uh, not just Elans, but most of outsourcing services is that they allow experts to underestimate each other, which leads, which, which, which leads to the race to the bottom, really. And once you're in the bottom, you're just, basically competing with the bottom end of of the spectrum which is no no exp, no real experts wants that and no real clients client also wants that they think they need cheaper but once they experience you know code being written for them by a really cheap person, they basically end up with a bigger pain than they started with uh, most often. Um, so they quickly also realize that the lower end is not the way to go. Mm-hmm. And we don't deal with lower-ended codable ever never and never will
0: yeah that's that's good to hear i i completely support that but um i i don't know how how we got here but mm-hmm. <laughs> my, my main actual topic was about about public speaking mm-hmm. um and um like what uh, what got you into that why did you decide that um, this is something that i i want to do um honestly i like the attention <laughs> Oh, uh, there's nothing. Yeah, there's nothing bad in that. Like, I like that as well. That's why I started this podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like, I like the attention, always have. I've been in acting classes. I've been in a, I played in a theater back in my, you know, high school days. It was like a hobby thing, not a profession, not in any professional capacity. Uh, and yeah, I, I, when I founded Codable or we found it, I have a co-founder. Mm-hmm. Um, I, decided that in, well, I've seen the pattern. So the more successful companies in in WordPress eco- ecosystem, that is, um, their founders are, you know, attending conferences and giving talks. And I guess it builds two brands. Well, especially my early uh, idol, if you will, he did both uh, basically. So he ran a successful uh, WordPress company and he was a successful speaker, right? And I saw in his talks, how he's building two brands, really. The first brand for the company and also his personal brand. And I'm like, okay, so in, in 10 years, if I have a change of heart or, or, you know, a career change or whatever happens, I will still keep my, my name or my personal brand, if you will. And that personal brand is, is, is a sort of reputation. So it's easy. To go out to people and and be either an advisor or, or just an employee or be, you know, attract VC if I have another idea or whatever, right? So I need to be, you know, Tomar Zaman first and foremost. And also I need to support the company I fo- co-founded. So... I I guess it all makes sen- made sense for me. So, you know, but liking the attention, having a really strong message or a strong opinion, or <laughs> a strong ego, and then supporting myself as a person and then supporting the company. It all it, it just makes sense. What are
0: the topics that you're speaking
1: on lately? Uh pricing and attitude, I guess would be a good term.
0: In in what way the the attitude?
1: Um uh the attitude about um, how many, um, um, they added, I would say it's, you know, just another way of saying or the contrary of, of, to, to, um, imposter syndrome, which a lot of relatively successful, um, developers even are feeling like what, what did I do to, des- to deserve to be, to become really successful or to be in this, you know, higher circle of, of founders or, Whatever the, the environment, right? They feel bad or they feel the fact that they didn't somehow deserve it when they did, right? So the attitude is, I mean, if, if you, you are a professional, you should be treated like one and don't feel bad about it. However, you also have to have an attitude towards it. Like if you, you know, be a person of your word. So, so if you say something you're going to do, do it. I mean, uh, follow up with people, be proactive. So that kind of attitude, because it's not just, um, and, and this comes all, uh, my, all my talks or all all yeah, all the topics of my talks basically come from codables dealing with our experts. Mm-hmm. Because I'm a developer myself, so it's much easier for me to talk to our experts rather than our clients, right? Right. Um so I always I've I very I feel very passionate about as I said, the attitude and the pricing because they are kinda connected, right? So if they have if they don't have the attitude, then the pricing can also like the amount of money that they charge will follow poorly in a way um so yeah these two these two topics i'm really passionate about and i talk about it the most honestly
0: yeah and i i i can see that a lot um in my coworkers and even in myself sometimes like sometimes you're just thinking um well how did i come here am i really am i really th- this good do i really deserve this um like are there really no there is is there really no one else that's better at this than that me and um stuff like that like you it's i think but that's like something human like we always feel um not good enough uh to 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 some degree i guess
1: Mm -hmm. true
0: um okay (laughs) let's finish this off with um a a question that is now sort of uh becoming a, a standard in in all of the episodes okay um what are like three books or articles of or videos or whatever that like made a, a lasting impression on on your life or that like that that made that, that changed your life to some degree
1: mm-hmm. um, honestly I'm really bad at this um, because I I don't read a lot. It's not necessarily books like or or
0: articles or or YouTube videos or like whatever um sort of made an impression on you on or
1: um well I did read one book this year when I was uh recovering from a surgery I had late last year and that book is called Great by Choice. Um it it resonated with me mm-hmm. quite a lot honestly and I would highly recommend uh, the book. Um I think it's Jim Collins is the author and it's really like it's it's talking about software companies but not in a way um that you would think uh I guess so it's it's mostly focused on their yearly or or decadely performances rather than single actions and it's talking about luck and that kind of stuff Um, so yeah, um, great by choice. Um, and, but the others is like, I, I'm more of a being mentored kind of person, but I'm not giving the names out because people will hire these people and then they'll have less time for me. So what I like is, is to bounce ideas, to visit people, to, to, you know, just for a coffee and, and just tell them what I'm struggling with. Even if those people aren't kind of in this ecosystem or developers or you know just normal people friends whatever i often open up i don't have um i'm not a type of person to hide my insecurities or vulnerabilities i'm i'm like here you go i feel like crap this is what i feel why i feel like crap like i'm a very open person yeah and and you'd be surprised by how much how much people um Wanna help you, especially friends, right? Or family. They will, they'll be very keen to help you solve your problem. So instead of giving something out like a more concrete uh, example, I would say, I would say open up and show your vulnerabilities to people that you trust and love. Uh, because you'd be surprised by how much good feedback you get. Or even just if they don't give you any feedback, just venting, just, just letting it out. Sometimes does more than half of the recovery process. I would say. Wow, that's a very deep and profound
0: recommendation. <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank you.
0: Um, well, thank you, Tomasz. Uh, I really enjoyed this uh, chat with you, and uh, good luck with your with your pilot license and everything that you set up to. And hopefully, you'll get that six pack.
1: <laughs> thank you, thank you, Mika.
0: Okay, bye, bye. All right, this was my interview with Tomasz. Parallel Passion is a new podcast, so please share it with your friends and followings. One way to do so is to rate, review, favorite, follow, like and subscribe or whatever it is you do in your podcast app of choice. But please do something, anything, because it really, really helps. If you enjoyed the show and want me to keep at it, please support it via Patreon. To do so, visit patreon.com slash That's patreon.com slash p-a-r-p-a-s-p-o-d. Or just open the show notes and follow the Patreon link there. Every euro or dollar counts. Thanks. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. We are at ParapassPod on all of them. You can retweet, share, like and submit your feedback there. All the links from this episode are in the show notes and on our website parallelpassion.com. 5 Thank you and have a passionate day.